This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm your other sometimes host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we have the one, the only, investorpreneur, Pete Leung, fan favorite. How do you you say it? Past guest fan favorite. Past guest fan favorite. Back again. Also the unofficial international correspondent. He's the the roving correspondent. So anytime anything happens that could have any type of impact internationally, Pete's our go-to. Well, the, it's interesting. I was listening to something on uh, Bloomberg this morning about people being scared over the next six months. The next yeah. six months are a scary time. And I feel like Pete is the best guy to talk uh, about what exactly is going on because he's active in so many different markets. He sits from his per- super bright guy, obviously, sitting at, uh, in Hong Kong, watching China, watching uh, Great Britain, watching the US, yeah. watching Canada. So it's just really uh, great talking to a very active investor about global markets, where we're at, what's coming up, and uh, should we be scared? And I can tell you, I've I've been very fortunate over the years to meet a lot of really smart people. Pete is definitely one of the smartest guys I've met when it comes to uh, deal structures, financing aspect of a deal, understanding the marketplace he's in, foreseeing what's happening around because he's very methodical of how he pulls it all together. So we're very, very lucky to have him. Whenever there's something that happens, I tune into PNN, the Pete News Network, and I get <laughs> everything that I'm looking for. He is a wealth of knowledge. And the best part is too, he's not, he's he's humble, but he'll share the knowledge with you if you ask. He's exceedingly humble. Yeah. So, um, so he doesn't, uh, he's definitely one of the, the brighter minds out there for sure. Absolutely. So, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Corey, what else do we got? I want to just say, yeah. Uh, yeah, before we cut to our talk with with Pete Leung, we just had, and I think this is going out next week, a commercial check in on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Yes, uh, Adam and I put you in the hot seat. Yeah, and talked about your investment thesis, where we're at, which markets you're excited about. Yeah, I feel like it was in a, a really, really great episode. Uh, really excited to release that. So that's my news. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I was excited to be part of it, right? Like I got the call like, hey, Corey, our guest canceled. Get your <laughs> up here as fast as you can. And we're going to fill us in. Uh, no, just kidding. Yeah, I thought it was great. It was awesome. Because I think one thing too, like when we're talking about it naturally, things just kind of come about. But when you're you're kind of in the hot seat and you can ask the questions, it kind of really makes you think. And sometimes yeah. you get different, more creative answers. So I, I appreciate you guys having me. I, you know what? And when, when we left, you've been, you know, you are, uh, what, three, four time guest of the Vancouver could, Real Estate could, Podcast. Could be something like that. Don't, what, at what point do I get a jacket? Exactly. But it, Adam said uh, as we walked out, and I don't know if you were in earshot, but he, or maybe just said it to me, I think that was the best episode we've ever had with Corey Wright. So uh, that's coming up next week. 
But uh, the bar the wasn't very, <laughs> the bar wasn't set very high before. So it's not like it's, it was like, if you would have said it was the best podcast episode we've ever done. Oh, no, no. That was, oh, no, uh, no, that, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that. Long. Don't worry about that. That didn't come close to that one. <laughs> you're, you're outdoing yourself. Yeah. Uh, but hey, that's who you're really competing with. I think the last time I was on, I had a white tank top on in a video in the basement of COVID probably. So if that's what we're trying to compete against. It's, it's been a while. It was great to have you back. That's coming up next week. But uh, yeah, maybe we should uh, cut to our talk with Peter Leung, investorpreneur from Hong Kong. Enjoy, guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial. John, Alan, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here with Peter Leung, investorpreneur. How you doing, Peter? I'm doing great, Matt. So good to have you back on the show. We should say past guest fan favorite, our Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. You've been on past guest on the commercial podcast. So thanks so much for your time. It's, it's a pleasure being here. It's always a lot of fun with you guys here. So uh, blessing for me. Fantastic, Pete. Well, maybe uh, can we start, uh, for those who haven't heard you on past episodes, uh, can we start by you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't start in real estate. Nobody in my family is in real estate. I'm the first generation that's ever gone into real estate. Uh, my father was always very much against real estate because of you know high debt and high leverage and the traditional uh, working man, as, as most would, uh, just you know, having that home, uh, living in it. And, and that would be the, you know, the, the third property my father's ever owned in his lifetime. And, uh, but it was, you know, me growing up in Vancouver, having operated in the business of restaurants, having been a financial planner myself, having looked into uh, what wealth is created in. And uh, I stumbled upon real estate with the advice of my accountant, which is a quarterback of mine, very dear friend as well you know, stumbled upon giving me the advice of, of Peter, you need to look into real estate. And so I started into a com uh, residential real estate at first, started in Vancouver with pre-sales um, and then uh, slowly worked my way up in uh, sort of 2012 into commercial real estate. And then from there um, did commercial real estate, both in Canada, US as well as the UK and dabbled as well as into and the Chinese market as well. So never look back. Real estate's changed my life and uh, it's uh, altered our family legacy. So Pete, we've kind of given you the title of the un unofficial, like you're our unofficial international correspondent here at the, the VCREP. You've got properties all over the world. You look at things from a much higher bird's eye view than most. We see a lot of negative things going on, and we we hear interest rates rising, and we watch things in the American down south here where the offices are collapsing, or not literally collapsing, but the market's collapsing. <laughs> um, what is your overall take? Let's start there. What is, what is, what's your overall thought on what's transpiring with inflation and all of this stuff on everything that you're seeing? Uh, that's a great question, and uh, and I think on on the bird's eye view. This is what I would say with, with commercial property, right? Or any property for that matter. Property is always for the long term, right? It's get rich for sure, not get rich quick. So with that caveat, I would, I would look at 
you know, where interest rates are definitely, um, I, I think they haven't peaked. I think there's more to interest rates. Uh, the economy is actually, as a matter of fact, in many countries, economies has been has been stronger than they expected. And that's exactly the reason why interest rates have gone up, because they need to curb it. They need to slow things down so it doesn't overheat. And so even though, you know, there's a lot more people being laid off, there's a lot more people, you know, having to seek new work. A lot of a lot of places are having uh, their workers fill their, their job very, very quickly. And so with interest rates rising, I think that there's still a little bit more to go. But this is where I personally believe that, especially in North America, Canada and U.S., we are certainly seeing the end of that tunnel. And this is where the opportunities are. You certainly, I mean, you could be really cautious and, and wait a little bit. But I think overall that this is the, the moment of truth where you need to be well prepared. You be, need to be well equipped. And it can very, very quickly, like anything, turn on a dime where all of a sudden, you know, everybody is on the buy. Everybody is now looking for opportunities. So I think I think overall in North America, I think we're seeing the end of that tunnel, even though that there's a lot of talk of, of commercial uh, you know, office space. Certainly, there's a lot more vacancy in that. And that's that's truth. Right. I mean, you know, just like anything else, there's it's always cyclical. Now, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, we always worried about. Is there the possibility of us, you know, going, you know, going back to work in an office? And I think that uh, there's certain markets like in the UK, in Hong Kong, certainly in places like uh, China, uh, even Australia starting to go back to work a lot more in, in the office. And that's because there's a lot of the intangibles, right, of, of not just working from home, but the relationship building, the working and the meet type of meetings. So I think that that is starting to take its reverse course as well. So on a bird's eye view, I think that you know certain markets or certain industries, certain sectors will have its, its continued challenges. But like we all know, office is the sort of one of the first uh, to go down. It's the, it's the last to go up in an economy. So Overall, I'm bullish on, on the still very bullish on the market. Global economy wise, you start to see certain sectors having opportunities and certain regions having um, its, its uh, opportunities to invest, certainly. Well, two, two points there I'd like to touch base on. One, I can't agree more with Pete's comments about the office market and the office culture. I do think, although we still are in this transitional period, I think it's going to be very hard for employers to maintain corporate culture, high retention levels of staff, all of that stuff, if they cannot get people back into the office, probably on a worst case scenario, a hybrid model, but on a best case scenario, back full time. Because I even know, I even look at our company with the size that it is and how many offices that we have. I could never imagine you know, meeting, doing business with people through video all the time. Like The, the amount of things that... that People sit down and they talk about and the ideas that are formed, all of that stuff in person, the collaboration that we see firsthand, that you can't repeat that through video in the same aspect. So I can't agree with Pete more. I'd love to see it where the office market will come back. I do believe it will come back as this time more goes on because it'll be harder and harder for employers to do that. The employment market will change and then it will shift to the employers where they can kind of demand people to come back a little bit more on that aspect of it. But I do also want to say thing Pete talked about when the market comes back, everybody comes in at the same time. Right now is almost an ideal time to buy a smart piece of property because your competition to get it is so much less than what it was a year or two ago. And I'll use Kelowna as an example. Kelowna 
assets were coming for sale and selling at prices that would make everyone's head scratch. But they kept going up, they kept going up, they kept going up. Now they've kind of plateaued and come off where now you can buy that same asset at probably maybe we'll just say a 20% discount than what you might have got it for two years ago. But the asset hasn't changed. The market hasn't changed. And if you take that approach to it, and you can take a value-add approach to it by putting equity in the property, by getting the right asset in the right area with legacy leases, you've now bought the same asset, which was just as good two years ago, for 20% less that will still take a bull run once the market changes. So the idea to get in now, look, see past the trees and through the forest type mentality, as Pete said there, it's an unbelievable time if you know what you're doing to find a good asset that you can service the higher debt with now, but reposition coming out and demand will surge. And you hit it on the head, Corey. You hit it on the head. I mean, there's... Th- Matt, this is- Matt's speechless over here. I, He's writing it down. No, no, I, yeah, I was just taking He's notes. He's trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Where do I buy? Just, wait, just waiting for, for Pete to tell me exactly where and what to buy and, uh, and we should be good. <laughs> so, Pete, one thing I wanted to ask you as well, and we were kind of just talking about this before, was... I know you have some holdings down south down there, and we don't have to get into what those are, but how have you seen that market or asset class that you're in down there? How has that fared versus maybe what you have or you see up here in BC? Trying to do your best comparing apples to apples. Sure, absolutely. So there's one thing I I do want to bring up in terms of the office space. One of the things I think is really important is actually, you know, mirroring. Right, mirroring places like Hong Kong, where I, I think I have a bit of an edge there. Looking at how real estate here, there's a lot of vacancy, and in Hong Kong's culture, or even in London's culture, or New York's culture, you have a lot of people now, sort of at the worst time of 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 office, because you have a high vacancy. You still have inventory being built, but you now have people starting to go back into offices. And so with that being said, that is something that you can reference in markets that will, you know, global markets like New York, you, uh, you know, London, uh, Hong Kong, and it'll start to ripple out into second, secondary strong markets like Toronto, Vancouver, it'll be in Australia. And, and that's sort of a reference point to where everything is. And so looking at some of these markets that have led the way gives us precedent as to what we should be looking at in, in the future. Right. As, as Matt was saying, what do we buy? Well, you know, even if you were in the office space or wanting to get into office space, looking for opportunities there, I think that you, we will be pleasantly surprised that, you know, we can reference the markets that are before us. Just like if you look at the, the residential market of, 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 you know, property taxes, foreign buyers taxes and stuff like that. A lot of this stuff isn't new. It's copied from places like Hong Kong, right, where pri- property prices are three to five thousand U.S. dollar per square foot in the residential sector. So it, a lot of this stuff, you know, happened in Hong Kong, happened in Macau, or ha- happened in Singapore, happened in uh, places like the U.K. and and it's rich, really just replicated in a different shape, way, or form in the global market. So that's really a lot of times where I'm, I'm reading some of this stuff is going. Well, actually, what what are these first, you know, leading top tier markets? Where are they at? What are they doing? Right? Or what are they doing with this office space? Is there a conversion into office space into restaurant space? Even you know, we have buildings here that are 20, 20 stories full of restaurants, right? Like a whole a whole office building being reconverted into restaurant space, twenty floors, right? Worth of it. 
So, you know, if I look back at, you know, Corey, your question now going, okay, what, what has that happened in the, in, in, in South, the border, as a matter of fact, a lot of these opportunities have come up because of the liquidity, right? There's less liquidity, less lending, less bank loans. But in the U.S., there, the, the, the fortunate thing is that there isn't just major federal banks. There's a lot of very regionalized banks. So lending is still relatively accessible in as long as you can find a good property to buy. And there's still single you know, box, uh, big box stores that are publicly listed companies that are giving the covenants on a corporate level, a publicly traded level, um, that you can still get a very, very uh, high single digit cap rate. So that's those are certain opportunities in in the U.S. that I think are very attractive. Whereas in Vancouver or in north of the border, I think there's a lot of opportunities in a safer market. There's less volatility. There's a lot of smarter money. There's a lot of flow of capital. There's a lot of immigration. So I think there's a lot going for you know markets like Toronto and Vancouver, or even for that matter Calgary, right, uh, Edmonton. Or you know the residential market on on the East Coast, so I think there's different type of opportunity in different places. But if you get smart properties that are cash flowing, you definitely still get you know very strong um, capacity for lending with uh, charter banks or even um, you know B lender banks. Pete, I just wanted to go back just to make sure I understand exactly the what you're saying about you know leading global cities such as Hong Kong. So the, the idea of mirroring or, or watching what's happening there, and I guess my understanding of what you're saying is the assumption is what starts in Hong Kong or New York trickles down to the Torontos, the Vancouvers over time. That's, that's correct? Yes. And long story short, yes. I mean, there's obviously going to be differences. There's going to be things that are very closely representative. However, there mm-hmm. are going to be differences. But if you look at the office space for general, I mean, if you look at the residential market, a lot of people understand the residential market. We had a long time ago in well, you know, past the take handover back to, to China, we already had, you know, speculation tax. We already have foreign buyers tax, right? Up in the right. 20%. So Vancouver adopted very similar things. But in the industrial world, when in the commercial world, the, the same at the Blackstones, the Black Rocks, the Sequoias, the KKRs, uh, a lot of the private REITs, you know, Tamasek, they invest globally, right? All the REITs, the 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 the, uh, the the funds, their capital is not just necessarily geographically focused in Hong Kong, right? So they right. take the same concepts, and they take what works. If you look at WeWorks, right, it's the same idea. I mean, it didn't just work in North America. It didn't work, and nobody thought it would work in Hong Kong. But guess what? It it replicated itself, and it's going to find its way to have its own version. So indirectly, Matt, I am saying that. What happens in places like Hong Kong, where it traditionally was 100% in the office and nobody works at home because we have 400 square foot apartments here, right? You know, that are two bedrooms at 400 square feet. There, there is no space for you to be able to work at home. So if you look at this market where the adoption for office is tremendously strong, right? But yet it's, start, it's only starting to now pick back up. Then it might be a little bit too early to get into the Vancouver or Toronto market because it's probably a, just a tad bit early. But if Hong Kong starts to get occupancy back in, you know, the 80, 90, 90-ish percentile, then I would say that that would present an opportunity where the rest of the world is going to now go, oh, hey, this is what they're doing. 
This is how they've solved office space. This is how, you know, how much uh, rent has changed. This is how much uh, improvements needs to be provided. So that provides a reference for the global marketplace for places like UK, provides places like, you know, New York to reference, and then it'll trickle to markets like, you know, the Toronto, the Vancouver, the Seattle. I'm not saying it's 100% proven, but now you look at, at mm-hmm. some of these references, you can have a gauge as to, you know, are you too early to the party? Right. And what you're seeing from your vantage point in Hong Kong and and closely monitoring these other global cities is the kind of ongoing hybrid model potentially is overblown. Like people are coming back to the office. It sounds like you're, this is a more positive take on office space than, than a lot of people here have, I think. Yes, I, I would say that, but it's going to come with time. Right. And, and certainly I'm not bullish on mar- in office space today, but I think this is where the opportunities will mm-hmm. uh, will be in, in, in due time. I, I think it's still going to certainly take a, ma- a certain amount of time. Even if you look at a market like Singapore, right, um, they're only really back at about 60 percent capacity in terms of airport. In Hong Kong, we're only at 40 percent. Right. So, you know, 40 percent versus pre-pandemic. So, you know, how are, are we certainly you know, all the way back, we're, we're not. But I look at, you know, still new office space being, you know, put together. Li Ka-shing has a brand new building that's, uh, that's being put together, done by the, uh, you know, 2024, one of the richest men in, in Hong Kong, or in Asia for that matter. So I look at, there's still a lot of bullish views in the long term, because in commercial assets, it's not a, it's not a, again, it's not get rich quick, it's get rich for sure, but it has to take time, right? So whenever you acquire right locations, the right, you know, it comes with the right timing. You know, I believe that it's it's not just the right assets, right, in the right location. I also believe it because of the amount of time that we're on Earth, we have to also identify the timing. And as Corey has alluded to, this is one of the best timing that we're going to get, one of the opportunities in our lifetime, in our working lifetime, that we're going to be able to acquire a substantial amount of property at a pivotal point in our career where interest rates will reduce the competition that we have. But a lot of money is sitting on the sideline. So whether office space, uh, retail space, those are two of the ones that most banks are least loving today, right? But like anything, everything comes as a cycle, right? And is there an opportunity to solve office space? Like in Hong Kong, they're repurposing office space, right? Instead of having 50 stories of office, they're having, you know, 10 stories of, you know, mixed use between um, uh, restaurants to, um, you know, ca- cafe bars to private clubs, 10 floors of that, and then having still 40 floors of office space. So it, that's, that repurposing is going to allow us to identify what the best opportunities are in markets like Hong Kong, where it's now then proven, tried, and then replicated. And this is where we want, we want the replication process. Okay, well, they've proven it. Mm-hmm. It works. Now let's copy it. So I think, Pete, maybe if we bring it back, maybe make it a little bit more localized here. I think you're going to, I think I know the answer to this based on your last question, but would, would you be buying stuff right now, say in BC? And if so, where would you be buying stuff? I'm absolutely buying um, today. You know, I've, I've been looking at opportunities globally, but I will have to say where I, you know, and this is just my scenario. I've not purchased anything in the last 12 months outside of Canada. I have not purchased anything Interesting. outside of Canada, outside of Canada for the last 12 months. So that's just speaking with my own capital, right? And the reason why I believe that is, is because we have a very stable, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm Canadian. So I, I'm, I, that's my, that's where my roots are. 
But at the same time, I not only understand the marketplace, but furthermore, I think there's a lot of opportunities in Canada because of where the BOC, the Bank of Canada, has indicated in terms of rates, where the stability of the economy is, where the, you know, the influx of people and their capital is, is now being deployed. So I am very, very bullish in the Canadian ec- economy uh, over the long term. There's still a lot of hidden factors where we have not nearly capitalized on uh, yet, which I think Canada, being a natural resources country, will have a lot of opportunities in due time. Of course, Canadian dollar is also weak. So that gives more you know, value for my money right, to be able to deploy in, in, in the Canadian marketplace. So I am absolutely bullish in the Canadian marketplace. So now within BC there, is there any certain markets within BC that you're very bullish on that you would care to elaborate on? Yeah, absolutely, Corey. So Kelowna, as, as you mentioned, I think you're now getting discounts to, va- to value at its peak, right? And I think the, the upward trajectory is still intact, in right? I'm also a believer, like I said, timing, right? You know, if you're able to get a discount, right? Being Chinese, I love discounts, right? Anytime I can get a discount, I'm always <laughs> running to it. So, you know, in, in this particular marketplace, right, you're looking for the anomalies. You're looking for what is proven to be successful now at a discounted value. So if you can get really good, you know, tenants, if you're really able to get opportunities in, in places like Kelowna, where the potentials are there, not only as a city, but also as in the, geo, the, the geographical area that you're buying, then I'm absolutely where I'm bullish on. So that's just, you know, Kelowna on the island that I'm, I'm still very bullish on in Chilliwack. I'm still very bullish in, um, in places like Abbotsford, right, where I'm looking. But at the same time, I think this is, you know, my criteria, I think it was more is, is what the, the more important thing is. Where's, where is the, the market's proven? Where am I getting really good uplifts in terms of the capacity to increase rents? Right. And to be able to refinance the, the capital and to redeploy. Right. So it's it's opportunities that has to fulfill a, a series of checklists. That is what I'm looking for. Not just in, in any geographical area. It has to meet, you know, some of the, the, the trending timing. It has to meet where people are moving, it has to meet where the opportunities are. It has to meet type of opportunities where I'm able to get really good, strong covenants today and in the future where people want to be. So where a lot, you know, influx of, of people and their capital is where some of the markets I want to be for sure. And that's where Kelowna, that's where, you know, places like Vernon, that's where places like Chilliwack, that's where places like on the island, that's where I'm really bullish. And, and are there, so it sounds like there's some specific criteria you're looking at, and that's, uh, I think, super useful for listeners to to hear. In terms of asset classes, are you are you seeing those opportunities in specific asset classes more than others, or are you focused on specific asset classes? I'm certainly uh, staying away from offices, right? Generally, as a, as a whole, because I think you know, office in. I mean, I, as as I've alluded to in, in previous podcasts here and, and and a few other places, the most important thing is what does the lenders want, right? Or one of the the key criteria is what does lenders want? So do you have a, you know, do you have a pulse on what the, your lender, your operating partner, your lending partner, your financial partner is actually telling you? And they, they've, you know, they're not bullish on, on, on retail. They're not bullish on, on office. So that, does that mean you can't buy them? No, you could buy them, but it's just going to cost you more, right? Because they're right. going to factor in risk as a factor. 
a lot of people who are starting just a brand new uh, to buy their first commercial property or the first few, the banks might outright just, you know, price an extra, you know, one percentage point just because you're buying assets that they don't really want you to buy. Right. So that's another another way of for, for them to tell you, nah, maybe not this time. But if you really want it, it's going to cost you. Right. So I'm 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 always constantly identifying with the banks what they really are wanting. Right. And that's where industrials, they really like mixed use between, you know, industrial, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of office. They really like uh, even to some degree, they, they are OK with, you know, some element of retail, but not, you know, more than 30 or 40 percent of the entire rental coming from retail. So I think those are the criteria I'm I'm really juggling around is where the vibe is. Of course, multifamily is, is another asset. I'm not personally big into multifamily, certainly not in BC or in areas where it is very uh, tenant-derived uh, because of the the, um, the the landslide in terms of rights that they have. Not that I'm uh, against that. The reality is that I'm operating in areas where I want the best type of tenancy, and the best type of tenancy is those who pay rent and on time, and uh, also give us the least amount of you know exposure to downside. Right. And so I'm not very big into multifamily, but uh, industrial mixed use office uh, slash combination with retail. Those are markets where I'm looking at. Those are sectors I'm, I'm purchasing it. So, Pete, we've talked about B.C. and it sounds like you're overall bullish on on Canada. You've mentioned Alberta. You've mentioned Toronto. I know you were active in the East on the East Coast as well. Are there other markets maybe in Canada maybe select a couple that you're excited about, but then thinking globally, where else are you, are you kind of looking right now where you see opportunities outside of Canada? That's a great question. Right now, like as, as I alluded to, I haven't purchased anything or I haven't, I'm not actively creatively looking for opportunities in outside of Canada, but because of the interest rates, this is something that's really uh, maybe a little bit different, which is, which is private lending, right? So, you know, in the UK, right, we're able to achieve lending rates between 15 to 18% per annum, lending to property owners who want to buy property because they can't get lending. So, you know, that's, that's a double-digit rate of return on capital deployed, right, on a first mortgage. So there's opportunities there. So I'm looking at other markets, not I'm being involved in real estate, being involved in commercial real estate, but at the same time looking for alternative opportunities uh, while... Um, the opportunity exists, right? 15 to 18% is a, is a very good uh, rate to lend to a, a first mortgage in the UK. So that's where I'm, I'm relatively bullish there. If I fast forward, maybe, maybe in the next two, three years, I would see probably where I'm really looking at is going to be in parking spots, parking lots, back to parking spots and parking lots in, in, um, in China. That's another market that I'm eyeing a lot on because the yields are quite strong and the demands are quite high. So that's another potential market I'm looking at. But I think right now, if, if I was to look at overall where currency rates are low, where economies are strong, where I think there is a um, strong economic um, pulse to the global marketplace, I think Canada is it. And so even in Hong Kong, I'm you know, officially, I don't, I don't have any assets over here. Because I think that the the yield rates here are are between one and two percent, right? Yield of well lending rates are probably about three right now. 
So if you can see this negative cash flow 2% in, in places like Hong Kong, uh, whether it's in commercial or residential for that matter. So I don't see a lot of opportunities globally. Um, you know, Singapore is another possibility, but um, their commercial element is is not nearly as strong. And there's still quite a bit of uh, office space there. And even in, in the retail market, I think it's not quite as strong as, as that of a case of Canada. So I would say if there's anywhere I'm buying, it's certainly going to be more North America where Canada as well as the U.S. taking second place. Calgary is, is, is one on the map. A lot of people's mentioned it. I've looked at opportunities, uh, but I think that you know, between BC and, and Calgary, I would, I, would, I would hands down pick BC over Calgary. So Pete, as a, as a final question here, we're, we're going to have to ask you to, to take out your crystal ball and just so we tell all our guests, whatever you say here, we, it's on record. We fact check it, you name it. Where's the real estate market fast forward two years, let's say, in BC? Is demand still outweighing supply and every this is all an afterthought or has the market completely imploded on itself and we're all looking for jobs? Where do you think we set 24 months down the road in BC real estate? And, and can I can I just piggyback on that? Uh, so where are we in two years? Put another way, how long is the opportunity that you're talking about here? How long does that last? Wow, those are really two great questions. Um in BC, I think you know, if if I if I was to sum it up in in the next twenty four months, it would be up, absolutely, right. There there's no doubt in my mind that in the next twenty four months, now given the right opportunity, I mean, it doesn't mean just buy whatever you you, you happen to buy, right? You still gonna have to pick and choose. You're gonna have to really do your due diligence and do a lot of homework and identify the type of strategy and the opportunities that work. But I would say in in twenty four months in commercial real estate as a whole in BC or even in Canada, I would say is up. And how long does that opportunity last? I think COVID and, and post-COVID or during that time, I said in 2020 on, on a couple of podcasts, that I think the opportunity is going to last about 10 years, right? Because of hyperinflation, you know, the inflation that is you know, posted at you know 5.8, you know, it, it depends on which reports you read, but ultimately in five, six, seven percent. But really, if you look at rent, if you look at gas, if you look at you know, energy costs, if you look at spending, if you look at restaurant bills, if you look at what you're spending on, you know, all faucets of different things. You're, yeah, I, I, I don't know of one category that I'm spending on that's nearly growing by five to six percent. So I think that inflation is definitely strong. And, and ultimately, this inflation is going to lead to higher cost. And this higher cost gets reflected in terms of rent gets reflected in terms of what restaurants have to charge. And therefore, ultimately, because of interest rates, you know, investors are going to have to charge the tenant a little bit more. So this all trickles up the, the pipeline. And so because of that, I think ultimately, in not only in 24 months, um, yes, we might face bumps in certain sectors and certain markets. But ultimately, in the next, I think, um, I think by 20, even up to 2030, as a whole, real estate in itself, because of hyperinflation, because of the amount of printing of money, and perhaps the next cycle of, of, of interest rates coming down, it's going to create a whole whack of new money. It's also going to create a whole uh, series of next generation uh, real estate investors with, you know, Uber's amount of wealth. If you look at every industry, 20, 2008, fast forward, Bill Gates required, you know, retired, you know, at, at well under about 48 billion, but he's worth well over three times that yet he's been retired the whole time. So I look at that assets all go up over time. It just, you just got to give it time. Right. And so if you capture the right opportunities, the right markets and have the right type of um, people around you in terms of lenders, in terms of coaches, in terms of people who can support you in, in your thesis, 
and also poke holes in your thesis as to what type of markets you want to deploy in and what mar- and, and what sectors you want to be in. I think that's where over the next, I think there's still a room for probably the next seven, eight years for um, for the Canadian market to run in commercial in terms of commercial and possibly in some cases the residential real estate too. Well, amazing advice as always, Pete. We appreciate you taking your time out of your day. I know it's very early in the morning over in Hong Kong there, but before we let you go, you know the drill. We've got our six pack of lighthearted questions we got to ask everyone to get to know you a little bit more outside of the office, but we've had to actually kind of change up the traditional questions because you've been on so much. Do you have a few more minutes for us? Absolutely. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Okay. Okay. First question up. Money is not an object. What is your dream car? You know what? I sort of anticipated this come because your last episode, you asked that too. <laughs> wow. uh, but wow. he's, call- he's on to us. He's on to us. You know what? I'm, I've never really been a car guy, um, uh, candidly. But if, uh, if I had to pick a car and it would be a Rolls Royce. Right. It would it, it would be one of those things that I couldn't I couldn't imagine myself saying five years ago. But you know what? I, I respect, um, you know, I respect the people who who have made it and, and doesn't really need to flaunt it. But, uh, you know, if I had to pick a car today, it, it would it would be a Rolls Royce custom made. Yeah. Nice choice. Custom made. Custom made. Custom Speak, made. Speaking of uh, uh, this is something that's a little closer to your heart, I think. Dream watch. Yeah, this is customized for Pete. Dream watch. Money is no object. You're in your Rolls Royce. <laughs> You're driving down the street. You got your arm out so everyone can see the watch outside of the Rolls Royce. What is the dream watch, Pete? So I was uh, recently given the opportunity to meet the CEO of this company in Hong Kong when he visited. And this watch has just been released, I think, five days ago. And it's a Grubel Force. It's a double balancier in a uh, in a um, in a carbon fiber form. So you'll probably see it on my Instagram pretty fast because uh, you know I've been contemplating getting this watch, but uh, it's uh, I've had the opportunity to try it on, and and that would be my dream watch today. Would be a double balancier, a carbon fiber global force. Wow. I, I look at my plastic Seiko right now. <laughs> so just for our listeners' sake, how much would this, this watch with a whole bunch of nouns and verbs in it, how, how much would that watch be? Um, there's 11 made in the world. Um, okay. Sounds, sounds cheap. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so it, it runs, the price tag is about 580,000 U.S. 588,000 US, round that up, million Canadian. Okay, <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and, and Pete, like, would you actually, I mean, you'd wear it, right? But would you, is that a special occasion watch? Does that just go in a every, safe? Every watch has to be a wearable watch. Otherwise, I'm not buying a watch. Every watch has to go on the wrist. You know, if, if, you're, if you're not getting wrist time on it, then, then there's no point, right? There's no point in buying that watch. It's not, a, I don't see it as an investment. I see it as, as, as a piece of, of legacy to pass on to the, my kids. You know, every, every watch that I, I currently have has been allocated to, 
uh, one of two children and they've gotten a pick, right? And they're two and four. So to me, it's, um, I'd like to see myself as a hoarder in real estate and a hoarder in perhaps the watches as well. So uh, it, it is a legacy piece. Every one of them marks a anniversary of, of something. So, so you buy the watch, you take your beautiful wife out for dinner. Are you getting a table of three for your security <laughs> guard to come with you to keep an eye on your wrist? No, because, you know, I, I, it, it might be a watch that I never take anywhere. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, it almost sounds like that I've already bought the watch, but I haven't. Uh, yeah. But I mean, in Hong yeah. Kong, I mean, we, you know, it, it's been very interesting. I mean, there's very few markets in the world today, including that of Hong Kong, maybe Singapore, uh, parts of Japan, maybe Dubai that you would feel safe wearing that watch, rocking that watch on the seawall or, you know, just having dinner in, 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 you know, dim sum or whatnot. So this is one of the very few markets where uh, having a, um, a beautiful piece on your wrist is, is still very, very safe. So, um, you know, we also work with a watch group and I think 60 of us, I think we calculated something about uh, $40 million worth of watches U.S., in that room in one that afternoon. So uh, among 60 people that brought $40 million worth of watches to the table. Pretty, pretty awesome. Um, and no security. So I was like, there's not too many places in the world that I think, um, you know, has that level of safety. Well, if I, if I was in the room with you guys, there would still only be $40 million worth of watches in that room. So, so. I feel like this has got, there is like a George Clooney heist movie in this conversation though, uh, for sure. I also like the idea of wrist time. I don't know if that's, uh, if that's actually a term, but uh, it's gotta, you gotta have wrist time. Yeah, that's great. All right, Pete, uh, a book recommendation you'd have for all of our listeners. I've recommended this book before, so I'm going to pick a different one. Um, I would say Never Split the Difference um, by uh, Chris Voss. Chris Voss. That's an amazing book. One of the best books ever for anyone who hasn't read it. It's phenomenal. He's got a a class on Masterclass, which is, I think it's quite a uh, synopsis as well as an audiobook. I'm a big audiobook guy versus uh, that of of reading. So I listen to the podcast, I listen to you know, a number of different audible. So I think Chris Voss's uh, book is very, very good on audible as well. Yeah, no, I second that. I do audible for everything because I can't physically read the book. So I go with the audible <laughs> for everything. If there's not pictures and colors by numbers in them, I can't, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Chris Voss's book, I will second that. It is phenomenal, phenomenal book. Death Row Meal, Pete. You, you've done something terribly bad. You chopped off your friend's wrist to take his watch <laughs> and got caught. You're sitting in death row. You got one meal before it's all said and done. What are you, what are you eating? You know what? I, I've 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 had the 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 steak and you know surf and turf type of thing before. Today, if I if if I so unfortunately I have to be on death row, it would actually have to be hot pot. It would have to. It would really have to be. Uh, you know, part of my roots is in, in in that business. So I I would say I would I would go for you know a great meal with all my friends you know 10 12 of them and really just uh, have 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 hot pot. I think that would uh, that would really complete not just the meal but it would it would be uh, it'd be a great way to to celebrate life. Okay, well maybe you're going to take these same 10 or 12 friends and you find yourself you've had a couple of drinks at the bar and it's uh, karaoke time. Someone puts a mic in your face. What song are you singing? You know what? I know this hasn't been mentioned too much. But I would go with Ganem style with Psy. <laughs> <laughs> Matt would join you and Matt would do the dance. I, I'm just thinking, yeah. I don't know. The, the the lyrics, would you be able to do those lyrics? Is a, isn't that Korean? 
Is that correct? And it, 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 it just, that's the point of karaoke, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's just to have a low load of fun, and I think that's. Uh, I would love to watch his concert. I watched Blackpink. I was very, uh, you know, it was awesome to see them in a couple of cities. I would say, you know what? I would love to watch Psy in um, in his concert in Korea. So yeah. that, that's one of the things that is high on my list. Well, I'm not going to lie, Pete. You kind of slow played that a little bit, and I was getting a little excited. I thought I was going to hear Rockstar by Nickelback. I was, <laughs> you were slow playing it. I thought, okay, here it comes, and then whoop, Gangnam whoop, Style. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> <laughs> last but not least, I Pete. Say, uh, they were on the list, just not very high up the list. <laughs> <laughs> the list is very long. Uh, <laughs> Pete, last question for you today. Uh, advice in the current climate for someone interested in buying uh, a real estate investment in the commercial space. Advice. High interest market. Banks aren't lending. What's your advice? Have a very clear understanding of your strategy, right? A lot of people are now buying and they're buying because they either have the capital or they are being sold as to what they would need to buy. And I, my advice is identify very, very clearly the reason you're buying the property and how you're going to be able to exit the property, whether it's going to be an exit, a physical exit, or whether it's going to be a, a refinance, whether it's going to be a redevelopment. Be very, very clear and be very purposeful as to why you're acquiring that asset. Great advice. Fantastic. Uh, so, Pete, Someone out there is thinking of this watch and and wants to get your Instagram handle for sure. So we'll ask you that. But how can people uh, learn more about what you're doing and follow along uh, with the investorpreneur? Right. So you can find me on on Instagram or LinkedIn or even Facebook for that matter at I am Peter Leung. So I A M Peter Leung. You'll be able to find me in pretty much every uh, you know whether it's LinkedIn or or any type of social media and. Um, so I would say follow along. I mean, we, we talk about different elements of things and, and I'm, I'm blessed and privileged that I'm able to share some of the advice of, you know, bankers or mortgage brokers or perhaps agents around the world, you know, on the macro scale, hopefully to provide some insight as to, you know, some of the things I'm seeing. So follow along and, and, and be plugged in uh, to a community, whether it's, you know, locally or, or globally. Fantastic. And you and I can say I follow I do follow along and it's uh, fantastic stuff. So appreciate your time today, Pete. And it's early morning there. So very much appreciate your time. Get some sleep. Absolutely. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Pete. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Peter Leung, investorpreneur, international correspondent for Vikra. I mean, what a get, right? (laughs) It's like like 1.30... In the morning where he is. Yeah. And we managed to convince him to stay up. The funny thing about this is uh, a a guy like Peter Leung, I feel like if you say it enough, you're our our international correspondent. (laughs) He is. He 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 starts feeling obligated because he's that type of guy. He's just a super nice guy. So he's our international correspondent. He's our watch aficionado. Oh, man. You have a watch question? He's your go-to guy. I remember last time I talked to him, he was talking about investing in tea as well. He's yes, got, yes, he's, he did tell me Real that estate is his primary, but it's amazing. You know, parking lots in China, he yeah. mentioned tea, watches. Well, uh, if you buy nice real estate, you can sit there, drink your tea and look at your watch. And I also, hand as, hand. A, as a final thought here, it's not a get rich quick, but it's get rich for sure. I like whatever they're yeah. saying 
you know, you hear all these real estate sayings, yeah. but uh, that was one that I haven't heard uh, too often. So I like it. I'm going to keep that very one big for, guy. Uh, big, big news coming up too as well. So next week we got Gord McPherson joining us. I'm very excited to have Gord McPherson. He's a great developer. We're talk about a whole bunch of projects, but I think Gord's more excited because he's going to be the first guest we have on after the Vancouver Nickelback show that takes place June 28th. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And you have a, do you have a box for this? Is this? No, I, I, we were going to get one and then it's, it's like a work week. So it's like, it's a quick concert in, out, home, sleep, oh, back to not, work the oh, next see, day. I was thinking you were we, we in the hotel, we, no, we, doing the whole, you know what? I, I'm not 25 anymore. I know, I know I still look like I'm 25 but I'm not 25 anymore and uh, responsibility calls. So I'll be back at the office the following morning, probably by 7 a.m. Go home, see the kids, help get them ready for school, back to the office for Thursday. But we got Gord on Friday's recording. He's excited because Nickelback, he's he's on the heels of the Nickelback concert. <laughs> so I don't even know if we'll be talking real estate or not I, that I, day. You know what? It's It sounds really exciting. Uh, I do want to say one thing. Nickelback has already done their, so I guess they're on a, Cross Canada tour. They've yeah. already been to Winnipeg, and I've heard uh, on the street it was a great show. My aunt was there. She's—I don't know exactly how old, but seventy. So you're, yeah. you're going to be in good company. Well, here's the she thing. Was really impressed. Here's the thing. When I was, I remember going to Nickelback concerts when I was younger, and like the floor was all like general admission. Yeah. And now the floor is all seats, so you can just tell the age of the people now. The same people that were like. In the mosh pit it's before, such a sad, are now sitting down. It's such a sad. They're now sitting down. I, the last so. concert I went to is like you could hear a pin drop. It was, it was, yeah, it was like going to the symphony. Yeah, was, and which concert was that? It was uh, Jason Isbell. He's like a country. It was a great show, but it was, it was uh, never. Yeah, I was like, man, I'm one of the youngest guys. What am I doing here? Like yeah. a lot of a lot of gray hairs. That's yeah, okay. It's okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> on that, on that note, if people do actually want to talk about real estate, they can reach me anytime at Corey at WilliamWright.ca. They can sign up on our website, WilliamWright.ca for the latest and greatest news, or you can call our Vancouver office anytime, 604-428-5255. Let us know what you're looking for and we'll put you in touch with an agent. Absolutely. And of course, these episodes live at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com as well. Uh, this is a website recently updated. You can search by subject now, isolate exactly what you're looking for, and then you can see exactly which episodes we're talking about the subject you're interested in. Such a great feature. Uh, really happy with the new website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for all the back catalog. I just had a great idea. And we, I guess we have to run this by the boss to see if he would be okay with it. Right. Once if we broadcasted the next episode from the Nickelback show. Like we brought the mics, we snuck them into the arena, we get at our seats and we have the v V-Crep live <laughs> from Nickelback live. Yeah. You know what? You'll have to ask Melissa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, <laughs> we know how much of a fan she is. She problem is she's probably got backstage passes. She's such a huge Nickelback fan. So we'll have to see. It was stay a great tuned, idea. Stay tuned to find <laughs> stay, out. Stay, stay, stay tuned guys. <laughs> All right. Have a good week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, right after the show. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. Subscribe today.